Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome along to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by, I mean, a sleepy-looking Vito Doria. Vito, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, Connor. Yeah, still uh, trying to wake up, but uh, washed my face, had my morning coffee, so hopefully that's enough to wake me up a bit more. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, you've just got a sleepy person's hair, shall we say, at the moment, and mm. fresh face. It's nice to see someone who's very much not <laughs> fresh faced. Is Kev Pukowski? Kev, um, you were tied to a chair when we came yeah. on this call, and you were the one who had done it. What's happening there? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm. I think I'm getting my second win because I've been sat on this chair since 8am this morning uh, working <laughs> and uh, working from home. Uh, the facilities aren't great, so I'm on a dining room table. So I'm having to sort of strap myself in with a, a scarf at chest height and just tie myself in to try and keep the old back aligned. At my age, you've got to do do your, do your thing till you can get to the chiropractor. No, I mean... Regular listeners will know that I often poke fun at you because you're old. But I mean, the pictures I came onto this call this evening, they wouldn't believe it if I tried to explain it. And you didn't do yourself any favors with them, unfortunately. But look, we're um, we're here a day later than usual because there were there was a match on on Monday evening. Juve played the beat. Crotona, but it's hardly worth opening the show with, especially in a round where in the Derby della Madonnina was played. And Fido, who saw this one coming in there, smashed Milan 3 0. Yeah, looking at the score, it's just uh, yeah, incredible that it was so one sided, given that both teams have been up there in the Scudetto chase. 
uh, one would have thought that the game might have been a bit more close, at least on the scoreline. For me, it was a win for Conte's counter-attacking tactics as opposed to Pioli's more possession-based style. But I think also the quality of the individuals on Inter's side really shone through. Just the way Inter played, just they looked better organised, better compact. So when they were not in possession, they had numbers back and they were denying Milan a lot of space. And then when they had the ball, they were breaking swiftly, uh, they were running into the right spaces and they were combining with the teammates very well. The passing movement was slick. And uh, if we had to single out individuals, I'd probably, you know, go with uh, Handanovic in goal. And then the two guys up front, Lautaro and Lukaku, um, those three in particular were fantastic. No, they absolutely were. And uh, Kev, Lukaku, we, we've spoken about him umpteen times on this podcast before, but if... If Milan is black and blue, most of that has been painted by Lukaku himself because another incredible performance and again against Milan. Yeah, I think um, the, the the British broadcasters tried to make a lot of the the aggro between in uh, Lukaku and Ibrahimovic during the the Coppa Italia. Um, and I think that does a disservice to how Lukaku kind of approaches every game that he plays in because there's always that sort of drive and determination for him to be the, you know, to be the match winner, if you like, for Inter. And, and he was at it again from the first from the first whistle he was chasing down the channels, making sure Inter started on the front foot. Within five minutes, he's playing that wonderful ball over for Lutaro because it really was as much about the the ball that he played in, Lutaro finding the position behind the two centre-halves because I don't think the, or maybe it's, right back and centre half, but even so, I don't think the Milan defence were badly positioned. It just dropped perfectly just above the defender in front of Lautaro for him to power through. And the third was just that confidence in his own ability that he needed to just shift it onto his left side of his right foot, burst past Romagnoli, who was powerless to stop him. And then to find the the this very small gap between Donnarumma and the post at the power and the ferocity mm. at which he hit the shot was just, yeah, summed up his performance really, or was maybe the, the icing or cherry on the cake, whatever we want to call it, um, on his performance on the day. That third goal, it, it was it was ridiculous. Just the sheer, the speed at which he broke as well. And there's a clip that has since emerged from the derby. And this is before, I think this is just after the first goal that, that was scored when, Lukaku obviously teed up Lautaro and the camera pans in on Sandro Tonali and Alessio Romagnoli and you can see Romagnoli saying like, hey, velocissimo, like he's very fast about Lukaku and then he saw that firsthand a little bit later on in the game and you can't stop him when he's like that. You could put any defender in front of him and if, if he gets a half a yard on you, you're done because as we saw with Marco Parolo last week, you can't fight him off because once he's between you and the ball, it's done. Good night. Go home. You're finished. It's not It's not your day. And he showed that. We will talk about Romagnoli a little bit in a moment. But Vito, the, the scoreline might flatter Inter a little bit because there was that spell when it was 1-0 after halftime when 
<laughs> who was it? Tonali had one shot and Ibrahimovic had two. And Samir Andanovic pulled off three incredible saves to keep them in it. And I, I think you're going to have him in your team of the week this week. And I mean, he's he's deserving of a place. Oh, indeed. Sometimes I look at uh, Handanovic's performances over the season and I think to myself, why is he still Winter's captain? Uh, he's been a great Serie A goalkeeper over the last, say, 10, 15 years because he's been very good at Inter and at Udinese he was superb as well. But uh, there just have been some games in all competitions where I thought uh, Handanovic has made some really silly mistakes uh, especially against um, Juventus, where I think he came too far off his line and uh, the winning goal was largely due to his mistake. But uh, this particular performance was a real real show of the Handanovic of old, the Handanovic that we've uh, become to know over these years. And when you see him pull off those reflexes, to me, that's not just the performance of an excellent goalkeeper, but... Also, that is the performance of a captain standing up when it really matters most. And in a derby where both teams are fighting for the Serie A title, um, he pulled up some top quality saves. Kev, I think you've pointed out that this was what his 501st game in Serie A. Obviously, not all of those four in there, but <clears throat> phenomenal service to to Italian football. But I, I think there's a, a detail of I think it was the second save that. I don't know why I thought you would enjoy this, but I thought you would. Because he appears to be falling into his goal. And it, at first it looked like he just happened to have his chest in the way of the shot. But there's an angle from behind the goal where you can see he's actually falling over the line. And there's a quick movement where he moves his right shoulder and, and arm towards the ball to keep it out. And had he not done that, it was it was probably going to have crossed the line and goal line technology would have inter- intervened and said, no, that was actually a goal and not a save and it was just great it was was the reflexes of a 21 year old yeah absolutely and and like you said he's been doing it for so long in Syria and I I think I wrote a piece um so long ago now about it might have been when I was kind of hoping that they'd win well let's say hopes (laughs) hopes a strong word Uh, what have you done what have you done um because he's had this long period with Inter, and he's not he's not collected a not collected a trophy, oh. a, and it would just you know it was probably the uh, the Europa League final last season where it would just be a fitting sort of fitting for him to get that trophy at the end of such great service at Inter, and I say his contribution on on Sunday afternoon was crucial because of the time at which those saves came just before. Inter went down the other end and sort of weathered that storm after Milan came out much better in the second half than they had performed at all in the first. And a, a lovely passing move resulted in Lautaro uh, finding the second. Kev, they've beaten Milan, they've beaten Juve now in... I mean, it, there wasn't too long separating those games. They're four points clear and they only have Serie A to focus on between now and the end of the season. It's very, very much in their hands now, would you say? Yes. Yeah, no, I, you know, I would. I, I said last season I thought that on paper the, the, the squad um, was good enough to win the league. Didn't quite happen for them. With the position that they're in now, with 
what Conte would probably like as much as into would like to still be in the Champions League with those spaces week to week. Uh, I know we've got a midweek round of fixtures coming up, but with a week to prepare for games, um, it will arguably be a bigger catastrophe than them not putting a big enough challenge in last year. But obviously they had the Europa League um, and the pandemic that hit us kind of taking some of the blame away. Um, I've just sent you a link there, Kev and Vito, because we always talk about fashion on this podcast. So I thought it was only right to bring this to the table this week. Um, so there was a, a picture that I'm sure most of our listeners will have seen. And if not, go and find it. And basically it's a picture of Teo Hernandez, Samuel Castillejo, Sandro Tonali, Ibrahim Diaz, and Frank Kessi wearing, I don't know how you can describe these tracksuits, Kev, you're itching to get in. Well, you know, I did see this tweet when you put it out uh, earlier. Uh, And I was less confused about what they're wearing and more the your phrase of two of these guys absolutely smashed this look. Yeah. And I'm not sure which two you're talking about because to me, none of them smash anything other than a few mirrors. I think Cassie's, Cassie's got it. Cassie is pulling that off. Then Tonali, but I think that's just because he's like, he's quite a good looking guy. Doesn't want to be there. (laughs) Yeah. He's got that model's face, right? Where he's, he's, he looks like he couldn't care less about it, but you know, deep down, I think he probably asked for the photo to be taken. Then the two guys who are just about managing it would be, would be Teo and Castillejo. And the less said about the fifth person in the photo, the better, I think. But um, I don't know. Do either of you have anything more to add about that? No? Okay. I, I, okay. I, I, I tell you what, when I when I saw this, uh, it made me think of something else, you know, going back a couple of weeks to my issues over teams wearing their own kit. And midweek when I watched uh, Milan take on Red Star, I watched, watched the highlights. I think Milan are the perfect club for how you wear your colours. You wear your traditional home strip every time you can. Only ch- only go into your white away kit when you need to. And the perfect opportunity playing a side in red and white in Red Star on Thursday, they wore a changed green strip. Like They have a small piece of my heart for that nod to tradition. Um, while while you were saying that and bigging up Milan for, for wearing correct kits, a game that happened this season sprung to mind because in Europa League qualification, Kev, M- Milan came to Dublin to, to play a team called Shamrock Rovers whose colours are green and white. Milan wore their green <laughs> third kit, which just seemed like... They were going as far as they possibly could to be as complicated as they possibly could. So, I don't know, do you want to retract what you've just said there or or what? Uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt. Maybe they hadn't manufactured enough home shirts for, for, for that. That is very generous. That is very generous. But we do need to talk about Milan Vito and Milan Twitter 
I'm ready for you after this, but I'm not trying to provoke you to stop being so sensitive. Vito, Milan in the last, what, month or so have lost to Juve, Atalanta and now Inter, including Spezia as Spezia. well. Is it a case that before Christmas they just hadn't actually played anyone that was good? Oh, I don't know about that, but I think more than anything, just the bubble has burst more than anything. Uh, if you look at the record just at the league alone, they've yeah, they've lost three of their last five games. Uh, if it's a case of, you know, if it's just opposition, well, you could say that based on the fact that um, the last two wins in the league were against Bologna and uh, Crotone. So I think that's not a particularly good look on Milan's part. Um, I've seen on, you know, on Twitter, just some of the comments, stuff about Milan in general. Is it a case of, uh, Pioli lacking a plan B. Mm. Um, look, I think it is possible, but uh, at the same time, I think sometimes it's just about juggling the right players. And if we look at the transfers they've made in the last uh, few windows, I just think they've got so many players who can play as left wingers or wide forwards, but uh, probably the depth on the right wing is not really good enough. Uh, Castellejo... I don't think he's Milan material. He's had a few decent games, but he's never been consistent. Salamakers, he might be able to play a role. But again, I don't think he's of the calibre of his compatriots and the Belgians produced some outstanding plays in the last uh, decade or two. But uh, another thing that took me by surprise is Mandzukic was on the bench the whole time. Uh, Why didn't Pioli utilise him? I thought if, um, you know... You're going to take off Ibrahimovic or, or, you know, if you're going to put on another striker, at least use him. He's got the experience. He's got the strength. And uh, he's been known for his stamina too. So I just feel even when he's arrived at Milan, Mandzukic has been utilised well enough. So I think coming up, there should be more questions asked of Pioli and the way he's used certain players. I did think a lot of the reaction on social media, and I know it's never a good place to look for level-headed comments, but I mean, even, I say even, mostly from Milan corners of, of Twitter, they, they seem to be going a bit mad. And I thought that they really need to kind of take a step back and have a think about things because... Kev, I put out a tweet and people liked it, but not many people responded to it. So I'm going to put it to you and and see what you think. But is is there not an argument to be made that Milan have just kind of reverted to where they should be in that they were never amazing when they were winning all of these matches and they never really convinced. And we said on here, they don't actually look that good. And now they've lost to three teams who you would probably say from from an objective point of view are better than them. And the Spezia game, okay, that can happen. But they should have been aiming and hoping to challenge for the top four at the start of the season. So if they get fourth, it's still a huge success this year. So just relax. Yeah, it's it's a bit like... Um, it's a side equal, you know, say, say you're a lower league side and you're playing top of the league and 
they equalise in the last minute, so you lose this sort of two-one lead to go two-two, and you you just walk off the pitch feeling like a defeat. And yeah, you know, I suppose it is. It's that element of over expectation after Milan were ahead for so much of the season. Now they've dropped down. That they'll probably it will feel like a bit of a failure this season if they don't if they don't don't win the league. But you've got to just you've got to keep the perspective that you're. Your aim at the start of the season was probably Champions League football. Um, when we spoke about the squad, I've said it on many of occasions that in a lot of cases they're Europa League players. You know, when mm. I'm talking about Europa League players, that you know Europa League level for the majority of their career. Now, if you're lucky and you get seven to eight of them to sort of up their level for a full season, then something magical can happen. Um, because the problem with Milan is that they buy this sort of level and player and they hope they'll be a Champions League player and they never kind of hit those heights. That's what's been happening for the last sort of near decade. Um, now, it, it it appears on the surface at the moment that if they don't sort of pull themselves together and find those levels to get themselves through games because they weren't blowing sides away. That's the other thing Milan haven't done at the start of the season. They haven't got sort of run up a sort of 10, 15 point lead and then now throwing it away. They were just getting through things, keeping themselves. Almost like when you come into a new league, a newly promoted side, you want to get yourself in mid-table because you know you're going to drop, drop down back to what's your average. And that sort of start of the season will usually have a huge bearing on where you finish the finish the, uh, in the table. Yeah, um, look, I, I think that's enough talk of, of that game. But look, the biggest... Milan derby for a decade and we spent 20 minutes on it it's nice to actually have a game like this in Serie A again in what is an exciting season and speaking of excitement there was plenty of that in the second half in Bergamo Vito where Luis Muriel he didn't come on as, as a substitute but it didn't matter because he's he scored in nine consecutive starts for Atalanta as well and he did that again it was scoreless at half time but Atalanta beat Napoli 4-2 and they deserved every single one of those goals, I think you could say. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I must admit that I was going to sit down and watch the full game because I was not awake when it was played. And my father was in the lounge room and said, let's just watch the second half. And as soon as I did that, I was glad because the commentators were talking about how terrible the first half was. So just to watch... The second 45 was a relief and uh, it was quite exciting too. I wouldn't say it was a vintage Atalanta, but it was still a very good performance and they thoroughly deserved the win against Napoli, who who are missing a few key players, but they really looked uh, out of sorts too. And considering that Atalanta, they're very familiar with the way they play. They've got a clear identity. Um yeah, they just showed that uh, they have that quality now and the confidence to get as many goals as possible. And Muriel in particular, I think, had a really fantastic game. Kev, well, I told you last week he's the best substitute in the world. Is he just the best player in the world at the moment? Uh, no, let's, <laughs> let's not go overboard. I was I, I spent a lot of last week thinking about your uh, your question last week about how many times... He'd, he'd sort of completed 90 minutes. And I kind of kicked myself for going a bit little too high because surely there's an element of the attacking players get taken off. Even if they start the game, mm. um, they get taken off more frequently. The defenders, 
Um, they arguably get rotated in the modern game more frequently than than defenders as well. So yeah, I was kicking myself last week by not going lower on the amount of times he'd uh, he completed ninety minutes at at that. Atalanta. I mean, two out of what seventy odd games, though. It's still very low, like comically yeah, low. We just got no sort of comparative figures. Um, I'd love to see some, but I've I've spending all my time doing shirt spreadsheets. <laughs> Kev, you reckon Napoli scored the best goal in this game, but did you not see Luis Muriel's? I, I don't know. There was just something about the height at which the ball dropped down for Zielinski. Mm. Um, and because he's so close to the goal, so he's sort of forced to take it that quickly. And it's if you watch the replay, it's the little looky just to see how close the defender approaching him from what is coming over his left or right shoulder. I can't, you know, what my right, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then the only real sad thing about it was that because uh, Politano is such a um. I was going to say stupid, but you know, whatever. Um, he just he tried with you tonight. He he tried to play that same ball about three or four times. You know, <laughs> you know, straight afterwards, failing to and 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 Galini just walked out and pretty much just plunked out of the sky. And it's like, how insane are you that it was a great spot, but it's like I'm going to yeah, it's the whole um, what do they call the definition of. Stupidity madness, is, madness is doing this, yeah, doing the same thing over and over again, and accepting a you know different result or whatever. He was accept, accepting the expecting the same result, but yeah, I I, I thought it was the most uh, beautiful from that perspective. All right, you're wrong, but okay. But given what happened in the game between the 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 Stadio San Paolo, it was called that then. Someone I call it that um, was when. Politano basically did the same thing for 90 minutes and tore Atalanta apart because he was up against Palomino. So that's what... Was it Palomino, actually, or was it one of the others? It was probably Palomino, right? It was a disaster, so it'll have been him. But, Vito, you you also wanted to give some love to that, particularly the pass from, from Politano for that goal, because although he did try it a few more times, the first time was glorious. Oh, it... Yeah, it was a superb ball. And even before that, he went for a bit of a run, a bit of a dribble. So the whole build-up leading to that goal was fantastic. But uh, his contribution in particular was delightful. And uh, he's one of those players that, you know, he's not always consistent, but he can uh, produce something special from time to time. It's just a shame he plays off, although he's left-footed, he plays off the right because Samp could sign him and then you could have two wingers that, you know, delivering consistent balls into Cagliarella game after game. Well, if it was up to me, I wouldn't be relying on wing play like uh, Ranieri does. I think Ranieri spent too much time in uh, the Premier League, but that's just my personal view. Guys, come on, we'll get to that. We're talking about (laughs) Atalanta Napoli, come on. Um, But... This game, perfect warm-up, Kev, for, for Atalanta, Real Madrid, where Real Madrid are missing eight, probably nine players, including Dani Carvajal, Sergio Ramos, and Karim Benzema, who are probably three of the first names on the team sheet there. And Atalanta could have a little bit of fun, or they could freeze. Which do you think it will be? 
I'd like to think after this result that they, they go out and try and play for fun. I think maybe um, we saw at the start of the Champions League this year where I'm not saying they got sort of delusions of grandeur from going too far in the competition last last year, but maybe thought that they should take it with a bit a uh, bit bit more seriousness as uh, you know than just sort of their their wild abandon of of defending and things. But I think that's that's exactly the approach at which you wanna you wanna take on the um, the game against Real, particularly with so many experienced defenders missing, not just sort of defensive players, but um, the experience that they seem to be lacking, looking at the potential injuries that Madrid have got on their side, could play into the hands of a sort of an expansive attacking Atalanta. I'm pretty sure Madrid have five captains. Like the, the way it works in Spain is you nominate a group of five people and you give them an order. Ramos, Marcello, Carvajal and Benzema are four of the five. <laughs> They're big, big absences. Mm-hmm. So... It's going to be an interesting one. And if you're going to be watching any Champions League game this midweek, I'd urge you to watch Atalanta because it's going to be fascinating, whatever happens. Vito, your boys, Samp went to the capital and they left empty-handed. Lazio just about edged a 1-0 win over them. Luis Alberto scored a pretty nice goal in the first half. And then for the most part, I think it's fair to say Samp didn't really have much. There was a bit of a flurry towards the end, but for the most part... Lazio were comfortable for their 1-0 win? Mm, pretty much so. And uh, it was a well-taken goal by Luis Alberto. He started the move, then he combined with Milinkovic Savic to you know, the ball in the back of the net. And Lazio probably should have scored another maybe two or three times afterwards, but uh, Aldero made a couple of good saves. And uh, one moment, um, hey, Mobile hit the crossbar. So... Lazio, they really looked um, very slick and well-organised. And if they didn't have to worry about the Champions League when they faced Bayern Munich, I reckon they could have kept on doing more damage in the second half because the Bianco Celesti have registered some huge wins against Samp in the last five years or so. As for Samp, um, I noticed that a few of the... Fans based in Italy were grieved with some of the refereeing, especially some of the penalty decisions. And I thought maybe Ekdal could have got one after Barros swung his arm around the neck or, you know, just below the jaw. And then there was talk that uh, Quayarella should have got a penalty after Musacchio tripped him. But in that moment, from the angle I saw, um, I think Musacchio got the ball first. So mm-hmm. even though Musacchio followed through, you can see why VAR and the refs don't award that. Putting the refereeing decisions aside, though, I didn't see enough in Sump's play to really deserve a point because the play compared to Lutz's was not as fast, not as slick, a lot more predictable, and there weren't any really clear chances. I can't really recall Rayner having to make a really excellent save. I think he had a pretty comfortable game. So um, you can have all the possession you want, but uh, you've got to create chances and really put the opposition defence and goalkeeper under pressure. And some did not do that. Kev, I know they beat Cagliari 1-0 quite recently, but 1-0 is a very un-Lazio kind of win, isn't it? Was it just the case of them being in, uh, dare I say it, as low as uh, as low a gear as second ahead of a huge game against Bayern on on Tuesday evening. Yeah, possibly. I'm 
I'm quite looking forward to Bayern Lazio uh, midweek, probably out of any of the four fixtures this week, because I think if they if they go for them, um, like they might they might upset them because they've come back from the Bayern have come back from Qatar. They sort of looked out of sorts against Augsburg, I think. They drew 3-3 with somebody the, the weekend they came back. Um, so, yeah, it could be that there might be a, a European shock on the cards if, if if they sort of take the handbrake off a little, which, you know, it, it wasn't that obvious that they were playing with a handbrake on, if you like. They just, they didn't, they seemed to, after scoring so early against them, to kind of settle in for, victory if they weren't going to be particularly threatened too much at the back. Yeah, and Bayern did also lose 2-1 to Eindracht Frankfurt, Atalanta's friends at the weekend. So they they do look a little bit more vulnerable, although maybe you could say that they are kind of gearing up for the, the Champions League, trying to defend their title. Who knows? Who knows? Vito, you did the report for us on... <laughs> I can't even get through this without breaking down a little bit Parma Udinese because Parma scored a goal at home for the first time since October and then they scored another one and they were 2-0 up and it looked like Parma were actually going to win a match like actually win a football match but then they they just let Udinese do the same thing three times in the second half thankfully for Parma one of the times the goal was ruled out because the ball had gone out of play. But it was just two simple balls into the box, two unmarked headers, and they dropped more points. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. It was really a clear chance of uh, two points lost for Parma. In the context of the season, they really needed those points. So... Uh, for that, it's definitely two points lost. And then the other reason is that uh, in this game, they created the better chances. Early on, it seemed like the main plan was just get the ball on the left flank, whether it be Giuseppe Pezzella or uh, Valentin uh, Mihaila. Those two um, looked quite dangerous, especially in the first half. And 
Parma really looked like they were back to what they were when the Versa was there the first time around. Just they played um, played on the counterattack, but very fast, quick movement. They were getting their passes right, and they finally were able to give Cornelius some decent service. So I thought that uh, this was probably one of the better performances in some time. Unfortunately, they wasted chances to kill the game off, and sadly for them it was uh, costly. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, what used to be their strength, uh, defending, it's now also one of their weaknesses. As someone who probably hasn't watched as much Parma as me, and let's face it, why why should you have this season? What did you make of Miala? Because I don't know if I think he's exciting just because of I'm comparing him to to Jarvino and and others, but he looked quite a player. No, I, I actually do think he's quite promising. I think he should start more because he deserves to more than Jarvino. He needs more experience under his belt, but I think there's more chance of him fitting into the team or doing something for the team than what Jovino could. Uh, for Jovino, it's like uh, there's there's no eye in team, but there's an eye in Jovino, so I should look out <laughs> for myself. Uh, Mihaila is only about 20, 21, but uh, you know, I think he does add something to the play. He's exciting to watch. And uh, probably if he can get his uh, shooting boots on and learn to finish better, maybe he'll get a few goals too. I love that. That was that was great. <laughs> if it wasn't the Milan Derby week, that would be the title of the podcast. There's no iron team, but there's an iron Jovino. That's amazing. I'm going to steal that veto and I'm going to use it countless times. So thank you very much. Um, but no, I think you're right. Miala's quite an exciting player. Even Dennis Mann, when he came on, he... He tried things which nobody at Parma has this season. And I, I compared him to Kuluzewski, not because he's as good or looks to be as good, but just because he tries the things that Kuluzewski used to try, which which used to pay off more often than they didn't. It doesn't look good, though. They've got, uh, I think it's Spezia coming up soon, and it's a game that they just have to win. There, there's no more excuses now. They just have to start winning games because... They led against Verona and lost. They led against Udinese by two and drew. It's, it doesn't look good. Anyway, Kev, um, where will we go for you? Where do you want to go? I'll let you take your pick of the games. Now, look, no, Juve beat Crotone 3-0. You did the report for us this evening, so you might as well um, bring us through that. Just a case of Cristiano Ronaldo bullying a tiny team. Yeah, uh, Juve looked sluggish at the start. They, I think... They, they barely threatened uh, Crotone, really, for the first 25. Uh, then uh, Mr. Ronaldo stepped up to take a free kick and smashed it into the wall, uh, standard. <laughs> um, <laughs> ten, 10 minutes later, you know, this, we're talking 30, 38, 39th mm. minute. Um, Alexandra, again, sends over a wonderful ball, to be fair, and Ronaldo kind of guides the header past uh, Cordaz. And, and then just in injury time, uh, a looping cross from Aaron Ramsey. Ronaldo shows that sort of aerial prowess he has to sort of rise so well and sort of powerfully head down and probably should have had a hat trick before the first half was um, was out. The, the problem with that was Crotone have lost so many times recently and failed to come back from a losing position that 
the second half up until about 65 minutes was terrible just because they showed very little attacking intent and and Juve seemed kind of happy that the, the, the game was in the bag. And it largely was because the ball just fell to Weston McKennie in the area and he volleyed past um, a, a Cordaz to, to, to finish the game off. The, the most surprising thing for me, um, which I put out on Twitter, which probably didn't get any responses, not, not nice ones anyway, um, was that why Ronaldo was still on the pitch because <laughs> they, they brought on a raft of kind of inexperienced players. Um, perfect time to to bring them on, really. Yet he you could see he was just not not really kind of looking for people when his head down and he was on to goal because he wanted that hat trick. And it's just like I don't think that's particularly uh productive. Nor is Pirlo almost kind of looking on from the sidelines, looking as though, you know, you've got you've got to overturn a, a second um first leg deficit against Porto. You've got, you know, a, a, a total to chase down, yet your most important player, because Juve have been so much worse this season than last year that he really does, you know, make the, the bigger difference, if you like. Um, and you're letting him you're letting him stay on the pitch at 36 years old, run around like a kid in a school schoolyard, just intent on getting his hat trick. It just it just it, it was just bizarre. Um that and probably I think that Starting a forty-three-year-old goalkeeper, as great as Buffon is, and he probably was. I would put him there as the or were, was yeah, but I put him there as sort of the probably the best goalkeeper easily of his generation or probably two generations. Mm. Yeah, I think it's now more psychological that you walk out of him in goal on the pitch, almost saying to the opposition, "This is how little we think <laughs> of you that we're playing this guy in goal." Um, but they're there. Look at them now. You know, they're game in hand on Milan. Okay, that is against Napoli. They lost to a, a week or so ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've probably said more than I ever expected me to when you came to me for this. I didn't expect that either, to be honest with you. <laughs> but mm. there you go. Vito, what's happened to Rodrigo Bentancourt? Because he's just not... I mean, to be to be frank, he's just not very good this season. And he was a really, really exciting player a couple of years ago. He was, he was looking promising when he first arrived. Then even last season under Sarri, he had a good campaign. So it seemed like uh, he was someone that could uh, play a useful role for the Bianconeri. This year, though, it's like he can't complete a simple pass. I don't know if it's Pirlo's formation or his way of coaching. Maybe Bentanko can only suit specified roles or certain systems. And but it's surprising that he's just so low on confidence. And uh, if we go back to the first leg in the Champions League against Porto, it's just mind-boggling that he'd play such a simple pass with Porto players uh, coming near him and they end up conceding the first goal of the game. Just, uh, just such elementary stuff from a player and... Uh, I don't know where he really fits in in Bentancur's, I mean, Pirlo's team. Pirlo's defended him in previous press conferences, but uh, I think moving forward, you know, while Pirlo is coach, I think uh, they got to look at Rabio, Ramsey and McKenney. They're probably the central midfielders to really go to for Pirlo because Bentancur has had close to nothing, if we're brutally honest. 
Oh, I think that was actually reflected in the fact that he was quite literally replaced by by some beans, wasn't he? Did some beans hmm. come on for him? Yeah, Nicola Fagioli came on for, for Bentancourt, which I quite enjoyed. But um, Kev, am I the only one who cracked a little bit of a smile when I saw Weston McKenney score his goal and do a celebration? I don't know what it is about that guy, but I like him. I I didn't see the celebration, Connor. He, he did his Harry Potter I thing. I don't like Harry Potter, all right? But he does a little it. thing and it's it's lovely. I wouldn't know that what it was. I've never seen Harry Potter. Uh so I wouldn't know what it was. Um the benefits of not having children, I think you call that. Well, I don't have children. Um do you like Weston yeah, McKennie? Yeah. <clears throat> Come on, we've got our listeners in America. They love them. I, I to be honest, uh hugely surprised um i said a couple of weeks back that i was surprised with how young he was because there's a kind of a a way he carries himself that just has an air of a more experienced player um so i wasn't i wasn't surprised with how well he'd fit in in a uva mainly because i thought he was three or four years older than what he was and i thought oh okay he's sort of taking that experience he's built up in the bundesliga and then when you realize he's 22 i don't know if he's turned 23 since i last looked at his age um yeah great um but as you've sort of highlighted the struggles of Benton Core I don't think it's where they've got their biggest troubles although it probably allows them to cash in on Aaron Ramsey who would probably who just sort of never really seems to give me any confidence that he's going to have a long-term future at Juve and they might do a an Emre Chan and just try and cash in on the market where he's probably got the biggest value still um, Chan obviously going back to Dortmund. Um, I'm not sure he's on loan, but you know you'd probably imagine that English sides would be interested in Ramsey. Classic, yeah, you would. the classic Juve uh, play. Yeah, well, that's where his next move is going to be, isn't it? He's going to be playing back in the Premier League, West Ham or someone, probably. Uh, Opta Paolo tweeted that Weston McKenney with four goals is now the the highest scoring American in Serie A history, which. I quite like. I'm not sure if it's actually true, but it doesn't seem like it's true, right? Uh, Hang on, that can't be right. No, sorry, I was it can't be else. right. But anyway, um, Opta or Opta, so I, I wouldn't question it unless I'm going to start doing some digging, which I'm not going to do. So let's move swiftly on to Roma. Oh my God, what a! I'm not going to say what a game, what an end, what a stoppage time because they drew nil-nil away to Benevento. But that doesn't tell the story of what happened here because Roma were playing against 10 men for a third of the game and they were knocking, 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 knocking on Benevento's door, but they couldn't find a way through. Filippo Inzaghi picked up a yellow card on the Benevento bench and then picked up a second yellow card and looked shocked. But it was, I was in my sitting room bursting out laughing because Inzaghi was stood beside the bloody corner flag and he got fucked again. So he was like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? And they're saying, well, you're not supposed to be there people. And in stoppage time, Roma, had a load of chances. They had a shot cleared off the line that was about to go in. They had a penalty given and then taken away. Or was it a penalty or a goal? I can't even remember with all the drama. But it was very, 
very dramatic indeed and it was it was lovely Vito did you watch this because I know Kev didn't because he watched Roma I was confused too <laughs> I'll only saw the holos of this one but the whole uh, kerfuffle at the end there that whole you know mumbo jumbo there just well I thought you know you'd think that uh, El Sharari you'd get a penalty won the Roma that's done, but then they go to VAR and then they've got to um, overturn the decision because there was an offside in the build-up. So you'd think that, uh, yeah, the Jalorossi faithful, I thought, hmm, they finally get a win, but uh, no, no dice. They only leave Campania with just one point. Kev, how did you watch Roma and not watch... Oh, no, sorry, go. Yeah, so, so did you say that Inzaghi got booked, then he got... <laughs> Sent off. Then he walked to the corner and got shown no. another yellow card. <laughs> Sorry, no. He got booked early right. on. <laughs> and then he was losing his mind in Antonio Conte fashion. And the ball was, I think it was a throw-in or something, about five yards from the corner flag. And Inzaghi was there. <laughs> then the ref came and said, well, no, that's a sec. You're booked again. You're Go, you're off. It was... Beautiful. One of the best moments I've seen in Serie A this season. Actually, while we're on the topic of that, did you see Gasparini? <laughs> did you see Gasparini oh, get yeah. sent off? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the sound on though, so we were, but I, was, but I was a little perplexed as to what he was sort of going on about or where he was trying to work out where he was going. He was just... Atalanta had a penalty appeal and it didn't look like a penalty. It, it, it very much looked like a penalty at first and you can understand the outrage. I was going mad too. But the replays seem to suggest that it wasn't a foul. There might have been a bit of contact, but it wasn't a foul. Um, Gasparini just lost it, as he tends to. But then, in the, I think it was in the second half, you could just see a little grey-haired man down standing beside the tunnel. And <laughs> it was Gasparini just standing there, just... He's mad. But yeah, the camera was obviously in his way as he walked through the tunnel and he was like, get out of my way. It was lovely. Lovely. Anyway, <laughs> where are we? Kev, how did you watch Roma but not watch Roma? I'm confused. So um, I was sat on, Be the, brief. on the sofa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The wife said, uh, should we watch Roma? I said, no, dear. They're playing Benevento. It'll be awful. She went, no, there's a Netflix film that won an Oscar in 2018. I went, yes, let's watch Roma. How was it? It was quite good. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it was good. It was uh, probably an acquired taste, people, but give it a go. All right, fair enough. Um, Vito, Fiorentina beat Spezia 3-0, and I have to hold my hands up and say, I did not see this one coming. No. After Spezia pulling off that shock win against AC Milan. It was such a comprehensive performance too. Uh, to fall uh, this manner against uh, Fiorentina was a bit surprising. Again, it was just a case of, you know, counter-attacking football just uh, proving to be the difference against uh, a more possession-based style. Fiorentina didn't look particularly dangerous in the first half, but once Bonaventura came off and uh, he was replaced by Castrovilli, uh, the younger midfielder turned the game around. He made a big difference. And uh, Dusan Vlaovic, the Serbian youngster, had a good game up front too. So them two were quite decisive. So Fiorentina beat Juve, what, 3-0? Now they've beaten Spezia 3-0 and Spezia beat Milan 2-0. So does that mean that Fiorentina are 
would beat Milan 5-0 if they played. And But then Juve also beat Milan. I, I forget the score. So Fiorentina are basically like eight goals better than Milan, Kev? Yeah, that's how, <laughs> that's how football works. Yeah. I think so. Oddly, oddly <laughs> as I was writing, writing out the table... Um, Kev, you know there's internet, I, right? You know, I know you can I know, just but I like, use your phone. I like to have my this. little. I like. I like to have my little oh, notepad sake. because that's where I take my notes. Uh, and I saw a little clump of what I like to. I like to call the uh, the pointless trio, which is now Bologna, Udinese, and Fiorentina. <laughs> they're all next. They're all next to each other. They've all got twenty five points. Um, pick a season. They neither <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Look like they're going to qualify for European competition, but they don't even they don't even excite you by getting into a relegation fight. They, they just sit you. there bobbing about. No, not really. No, they, they 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 only gently flirt with it. If if you can even call that flirting at all, they don't even get the second base with relegation. They just kind of just sit there and they just exist in this sort of middle ground of Syria. And there's the three of them. You had the seven sisters during the golden era, and now we've got the pointless trio, uh, and, and it's, it's lovely. They're all nice and together at the moment, all on the same points. And if the season finished tomorrow, it would be exactly where they would want to be. At rabbit rabbit on on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I did a fans. I did a did a good job of a, a rant. I can't have a Kev rant but you know or a veto vent but uh speaking of i think one's coming up now because genoa went to verona no they didn't genoa hosted verona they drew 2-2 but they equalized in the 94th minute through milan badel and veto this shouldn't have happened because verona had some chances namely through <laughs> that <laughs> go Just go. I can't believe it. Verona should have won this game. They were playing much better football. Um, they were leading, and they should have scored more than two. But Kevin Lasagna, oh my God, the chances he missed. Seriously, he's a professional footballer. He's in Serie A, and for some reason, he gets picked for the Italian national team. He squandered those two chances. That's ridiculous. He should have scored them. <laughs> we should be talking about that. Verona won this game for two. But those shots, they were like shots of a donkey. And the Mancini, what are you doing picking him? What's he got? Okay, Immobile and Belotti haven't been that great for Italy. But Caputo's better than him. Even Cola Guayarella. Lasagna is only good on a dinner table to eat, not to play football. That's it. It's been a while since we've done a V events. I, I tell you what, when I was watching the game, the misses were that bad. I thought it was Kalinic. And until they kind of zoomed in, or you sort of caught a glimpse of his, 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 his squad number, I realised it was Kevin Lasagna because I kept thinking it was Kalinic. At points, I couldn't believe my eyes that it was Lasagna. I, I just felt it was Kalinic. It had to be Kalinic because it was Hellas Verona. Yeah, but it's Kevin Lasagna. Mm. He's not very good either. I don't know why he plays for Italy because he's, he's just rubbish. Like, he's just not very good. He's one of those. Get him in the Berezinski club. And I know Kev. He's a professional footballer, so he's not rubbish, but he bloody is. <laughs> he yeah, is. Poor quality. Yeah. Um, right. Next. Torino beat Cagliari 1-0. Galson Bramar scored a big, big goal for them. There's now five points, I believe, separating them in the 
bottom half of the table. Torino are five points above Cagliari, who sit 18th. So there's a little bit of daylight creeping in there. Um, obviously, Kev, this proved too much for Cagliari to, to handle Eusebio Di Francesco, despite signing a contract extension on the 24th of January until the end of 2023, has now been sacked and replaced by Leonardo Semplici, who's been given a contract that expires in 2022. So the coach that's not coaching them has a contract that runs for longer than their new coach. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was cool. It was kind of always destined to go. There was, there was um, a statistic that jumped out at me after this game, which was that Cagliari had now not won in 16 games, which is the, it's not happened since 2005. Uh, and, and for some reason that made me sort of kind of look at their results because I think where we had that really short period between last season and this season, I, I kind of remember good performances at Cagliari, but I think they either came all at the start of this campaign or the end of the, the, end of the last season. And I think the telling thing about losing or not winning in 16, time, in 16 games is that you look at the points they've got and I'm not confident they can get another 15 because that's not... You know, you can maybe not win in six games because you've had a real sort of difficult spell with the fixtures. You, you've played Juve, Inter, Milan, even a you know mid-ranking mm. side like somebody who I just won't name because I just upset someone. Um, but they've you know they've not won in sixteen, so they've faced almost the entire an entire half of the league, and they are there with fifteen points. They 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 didn't look like they were going to get anything against Torino, who were only at the time two points ahead of them. And uh, I think Ben Hughes uh, called them Calier B instead of Calier E. <laughs> um, obviously, pronunciation is slightly better when you're looking at it written down. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they are bound for relegation. With a capital B? With a capital B. There we go. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look great for them. It doesn't look great. De Francesco, though. Strange one. Uh, the rot at Cagliari does, isn't really... I mean, it's it's his fault, I guess, that it continued for so long, but it did start on the Moran because they had that incredible start to last season where I think they might have even gone 16 games unbeaten at some point until about December last year, and then they didn't win for what seemed like the rest of the campaign. But yeah, it's, it's a shame to see what's happening there, and it, it will be a shame if, if Sardinia doesn't have a, a Serie A team. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong because I've not managed to go yet. But they're they're also aren't they famed for sort of the atmosphere? You know, we we've seen all across Europe where sides have lost particularly not impressive necessarily, but but decent home records. Um, you know where you can kind of grind out a win and things. And you know this was at home, um, so you wonder whether that would have got them over a line in a few few more games. And it is a factor, but don't get me wrong, it's not. It's not the important factor as to why they are because uh, where they are where they are because <laughs> they've just been poor. Oh, I still said where they are where they are. Where yeah, they you are, did. Are. <laughs> I told you I've been sat on this chair since eight AM. Right, look, we've only got one more match to go, so don't worry. And it came in Emilia Romagna. It was another derby kind of. Um, Sassuolo Bologna finished one-one. Roberto Soriano scored early for the Rosso Blue. Aaron Hickey was sent off after half an hour. Chicha Caputo, who else scored for Sassuolo in the second half? And they knocked and knocked and knocked. But just like Roma, they couldn't break down 10 men. Vito 
it's just one of those games, right, where 10 men can actually be quite difficult to play against when they set up the way Bologna did for the second half. Precisely. Yeah, when you see teams that they, you know, they lose a man, they lose a man and then they just park the bus if we use the modern vernacular. So um, it's, in a way, it's disappointing for the neutral when you just see them play that way. But at the same time, if you're the coach and, uh, yeah, I think if you're Mahalovic, you're just happy to get the points because really Sassuolo, they're the kind of team that couldn't put the Felsenator to the sword. All right, I won't ask again. Um, look, it's time It's time for the game, boys. Kev, you're not tied into your chair anymore, but you're not allowed to leave. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> you're not allowed to leave. Um, who won last week? Vito with oh, his Gervinho. What a surprise. Um, <laughs> right, two minutes on the clock. you got to identify the identity, I shouldn't have said it that way, of a mystery Serie A player. Um, go. Is Peter. it a foreign player? That's yes. Pausing again. Peter, <laughs> <laughs> uh, continue. Okay. Uh, does he play for a club that's north of Rome? Yes, he does. Okay. Um, north of Rome. Is it a player uh, who plays for a club in Lombardia? He does not play in Lombardia, no. Kev, it's your turn. Uh, this is where last week I said, "Is it? do, do they play in Milan? So do they play in uh, Turin? No, they don't play in Turin, no. Vito. Do they play for a club in Emilia-Romagna? They do not play in Emilia-Romagna, nor Lombardia, nor Piemonte, Kev. Uh, do they play in... Tuscany. <laughs> they don't play in Tuscany. Just get us off of geography, will you? <laughs> Start asking shirt colours. Alistair McKenzie gave you the template for it. Vito, it's your turn. Oh, shirt colours are good. Okay, all right. Uh, do they wear blue? They do not wear blue, no. Gav... Do they wear red? I don't even know where I am now. <laughs> no, they don't wear red. No one else wears red. <laughs> Vito. <laughs> My notes are now. Yeah, <laughs> All right, is it an Udinese player? <laughs> yeah, it's an Udinese player. Is it Rodrigo De Paul? It's not Rodrigo De Paul. You've twenty-five seconds. You're gonna get it, Kev. It's over to you. Stefano Akaka. Why did you just go in for an Italian international after oh, me saying sugar. he's a foreign player? Because I told Vito. you my notes. My notes are irrelevant. Now. Thirteen okay. seconds. All You're right, not asked uh, positions. Is he a goalkeeper? He's not a goalkeeper, Kev. Is he a defender? He's not a defender. Four, oh. three, two. I don't care. One. Is it Arslan? Stop. I've got oh a God, point. I've got a point. And I've got to confess, I chose yeah. this player because I knew I would get a point from him. Because, <laughs> well, well, I didn't fucking know he had gone to Udinese. <laughs> but Vito, you should have known. Because you tweeted about him. It's Fernando Llorente. Oh, I'm, oh yeah. uh, I only realised that when he played against Spezia the other week. Yeah, I only realised that when he played against Parma. <clears throat> but then actually, I only realised that um, Milik had gone to Marseille when I was watching League I, uh, Highlights. 
Don't do that again. He's now existed in Serie A since the summer, though. He's out of the match day squad. But you're in there. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. What the? He's, he's, I'll tell you what. He um, He's an excellent signing for Udinese because he's well, almost as pointless as a footballer as they are as a Serie A club. I, I think he's all right, <laughs> no? Um, he there did was nothing something on about Sunday. It started for me with Athletic Bilbao when I I happened to be in Bilbao. Athletic Club, don't do that. Athletic Club, sorry, yes. Um, Well, I happened to be in Bilbao and he was running his contract down and Bielsa just said, well, then we won't play with you for a year until he signed (laughs) for you. And and they were no worse for it. And then obviously he went and did probably all right with Tevez, I think, at the time uh, at Juve. And then nothing really else after Mm. that. on Bielsa, actually, I was reading the latest issue of World Soccer. A nice little short mm. piece from Jonathan Wilson in there about Bielsa. Um, I read it yesterday. I quite enjoyed. And also in that same World Soccer issue, Kev, there's a good article on Victor Ozeman. I don't know if you've read that one yet, but I'd I'd recommend I've, it. I've not got... No, there's, there's an article after Bielsa. That's as far as I've got. Ozeman... It's only delivered no. on... If you just skim through it, you'll see a big picture of Ozeman, which, which caught my eye. Quite good about his um, early days before he started playing for Nigeria. And yeah, kind of crazy, really. I didn't know that he had lost his mother so early in his life either, which is striking. We should have said that during the Atalanta Napoli game, actually, that Ozzyman suffered a bit of a head injury and ended up staying the night in hospital in, in Bergamo. And thankfully, all of the tests came back and said he was okay on this Monday morning. So he, he headed back down to Campania himself after that. Anyway, I've got a point in the game. Speaking of pointless people, Vito, say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Kev, say goodbye. See, look, he's even doing tactical pausing now. What's happening? Just... <laughs> what have I done to offend Vito? Because before I called him pointless that he started this. <laughs> um, Kev, have you got anything up your sleeve for us this week? Say goodbye. No, no, I haven't, I'm afraid. Ciao, ciao. That's bo- no, no, I'm not accepting that. Say goodbye properly. I won't. Uh, goodbye properly. No, come on. <clears throat> goodbye, everybody. Give us goodbye, a language. Boys. Give us a different language. Oh, That's what we're here okay. for now. Um, uh, Arriva Dirty. Oh, fuck off. Yo daré la vida. La mia vita, in fondo lo so, sarà una partita infinita. Un sogno che ho, è un coro che sale a sognare sul giudano.
es continuero. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 